This episode brought to you by the Roster Up Media Network, home to tangible insights for the NFL and fantasy sports. Check us out at rosterupmedia.com. Welcome back. Episode four. And this will be the last time that I say episodes because I don't think I can keep up with that. But we're back. Week two in the NFL. Week two for the Rams. A nice, strong W that we're going to get into here. And we're in for a treat. We've got Jairus Tinklenberg, a buddy of mine. Worked at Canicut Camps together. An avid sports fan. Very analytically minded. Smart. Very detailed about the game. A uh, very objective view. He was a former Rams fan himself these last couple of years, kind of losing some interest. But hey, nonetheless, we still love him. And uh, he's going to provide some good feedback as a former Rams fan, a perspective of a former, Ram, uh, former Rams fan. And I'm excited to have him on this show. Now, let's get right into it. Win number 600 as a franchise. Come on. Can I get an amen? And we did it, week two. It took us two weeks this season. That's okay. But we got it against the Falcons. A win is a win. And uh, overall, I feel so great about it. Now, again, this is a tale of two halves, just like last week. You know, the first week being a little bit better, and then the second week we just fell off the map. I guess we kind of look like that this week, too, against the Falcons. Um, We looked really good for the most part overall, but some hiccups that just about cost us the game, which is kind of crazy to think about because watching the game, you never really think that this, the Falcons are going to come back. And all of a sudden, you know, it's a one-score game, and you're kind of just thinking, what just happened, and how are they possibly about to win this game? How are they possibly about to come back? Uh, but again, overall, a lot of things I really liked to see, what I felt we needed to see. So the game started out, staff was kind of just hitting everybody up except Cooper Cup, which I felt like was a statement made by him. You know, he was starting to get ragged on that the only guy he could go to was Cooper Cup. That's his only target. So I felt like him starting out, he was just, he was peppering Higby. He was going to Allen Robinson. He was getting the run game involved, uh, but no Cooper Cup, really the almost the whole first half until the two-minute warning. And then obviously we start getting him involved and he just makes play after play a nice little catch for a a toe tapper there. And then the whole two minute warning, we were just rolling and rolling and rolling Um, inside the 30 with a minute left staff then had a bad kind of decision. He ends up throwing that pick, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but fortunately Jacoby Durant ended up picking him off, uh, picking off Mariota. They got us the ball back, but Cup ended up catching an over-the-shoulder grab for his second TD of the year to close out the half, and we look great. 21-3, to we are rolling. Defense is looking good. Offense is looking good. It's just smooth. And then we open up the second half. Cup with a catch and a run from the 10 makes an unbelievable move just for that guy to blow by for his second TD of the day, third TD of the the season. And we're up 28-3, which I thought, oh, no. This looks very similar to Super Bowl 51 when the Falcons blew the same exact lead. I just thought it was really interesting. High insight because we almost ended up blowing this lead. So, hey, I've got a little bit of sympathy for you guys, you Falcons fans, that it can be done. Indeed, it can be done. A little bit different because it was 28-3 a little bit into the half. 
uh, you guys lost right at half. So yeah, I think ours would have been a little bit worse, but anyways, um, whole second half was just, it was a little bit rougher just because of turnovers. Defense still looks really good. Um, cup was getting involved. Robinson was involved. The run game was involved, but we kind of, it just felt like we kind of got complacent and then just some bad decisions, uh, kind of allowed them to get back into this game. Um, and then obviously we know Jalen Ramsey mosses the receiver at the end, which is why I think he's the best. And some people were kind of pointing out that he had the PI called on him not too soon before that, but ends up mossing the receiver. And that's why he's the best seals the game game over five-time pro bowler, Jalen Ramsey. That's, that's why I love having him on this team. Um, interesting, the whole Powell safety thing, uh, John Wolford ended up coming up with that. Apparently, according to Sean McVeigh, we had a fourth and seven and it was interesting. I ended up turning off the game. I, I was in the airport, I was flying and, um, I see, you know, I see the, the Jalen Ramsey Moss interception and I turn off the game and later on I see they score two more points and I'm thinking, hold up, how did they score two more points? Must've been a safety. How did we get a safety? And, you know, looked at the play, Powell ends up running out with six seconds left. And I thought, okay, that I, I'm, I'm good with that play. That was good. Even though they, you know, we ended up giving them the ball back, but you know, it's fourth and seven interesting way to close it out. But a W is a W it's win number 600 for our franchise, which looks great, but just some things I'm taking away from this first welcome cam Akers. You look so sharp. You looked quick and I loved, he had more touches than Henderson which is a great start. He had 15 touches to 10. Now he had less yards and Henderson had a touchdown. He didn't, and that's okay. But Aker, and nothing against Henderson. I really love Henderson. I think he's a great backup, but this, you know, Akers is our guy that we we're pouring into. So seeing him get more touches, seeing him more involved and, and really producing with the carries that he got, I love. Um, Robinson also getting involved in the offense, looking great. Four catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. And Stafford getting him involved, uh, he was open. He had some great catches. Getting a touchdown was huge. So just get, seeing him get involved as well, that was big time. I love seeing that. That excited me a lot. Another guy, Kobe Durant, rookie. And a guy I, I wish I would have highlighted a little bit more in the first episode. Uh, but he kind of came into this onto this team, and they kind of had some long-term plans for him. I think many believe that he was to take over Troy Hill's spot uh, that was the ultimate goal for him, eventually, long-term. But obviously, Troy Hill going down, Kobe Durant gets his opportunity, and he made the most of it. I mean, big sack, big interception. He looked really good, just was everything you could ask for, for a rookie coming in for his first game. He did so well. He had Kevin Durant saying, I don't know who this guy is. Apparently, we're cousins, but I'm now a Rams fan. So when you got Kevin Durant tweeting about you, you're doing something well. But interesting fact here, uh, Jacoby Durant is the first Rams rookie ever with an interception and a sack in the same game. Make a statement, my friend. Now, unfortunately, he is questionable for next, week, next week's game with a hamstring injury, uh, but hoping to see him get healthy and continue to take this opportunity while Troy Hill goes down because we need him. We really do, and he looked really good. So love seeing that. Um, here's another interesting fact. Cooper Cup who's amazing, now has eight consecutive games with a touchdown. Eight consecutive games. And obviously this game he had multiple touchdowns. Uh, but the guy's just absurd. 
He's reliable. He's consistent. Now he had the fumble at the end of the game, which I know he is more mad at himself than anybody is at him. Um, he's harder on himself than anybody else. So he's going to turn it around. He's going to live and learn from it. And mistakes happen. We're human beings. He's a human being. It happens. So no frustration with him whatsoever. Um, now it would have been unfortunate if we did end up losing that game. And that was a big part of the game because that would have sealed it, I believe. But uh, ended up being okay. We still got the W. And uh, he was obviously a huge part of that W. So Cooper Cup, just a, just another bright spot to this team early on in the season. Love seeing it. Love seeing that happen. Coleman Shelton filling in nicely, very nicely for the injured Brian Allen, which is just huge for our team. And our O-line gave Stafford so much more time this week uh, than we did week one, which obviously we're playing a different defense, a whole lot, probably better defense when it's all said and done with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but you couldn't ask for any more improvement for our O-line than what we did this week, week two from week one. So that was so refreshing to see in Coleman Shelton moving from guard, that right guard or left guard position to the center, which is drastically different, uh, did just as well in that center position that he did in the guards position, the right guard, left guard. So that was really pleasant to see and just, man, refreshing, like I said. Stafford overall looked really good, I thought. I really did. Had some blemishes that I'll talk about. But overall, I mean, he had a phenomenal first half. He did fine in the second half. He's just got to limit the turnovers, and he would be the first to tell you that. And he even commented on it, I know, after the game. Uh, but his first interception, really, I think you could honestly, you could maybe put it on Tyler Higby. Uh, it was a corner route going to the end zone, a post, a post route going to the end zone, Higby was. But if you watch it, which I'm watching it now, Higby almost runs the route not expecting to get the ball. And he runs the route, and he kind of starts to turn, but he turns ever so slightly, just kind of like, hey, I'm going to run this route to make my defender guard me, and then I'm going to turn around and see what play we ran. And the ball's coming to him, obviously, and the defender then picks it off with ease. So I felt Higby could have been more aggressive and, and ready for the ball, which I didn't think he was. But an unfortunate turnover ended up not really hurting us because Durant ended up picking off Mariota, and then we ended up scoring with Cup to the corner with an over-the-shoulder over grab uh, for his first TD of the game. So really didn't hurt us. So nothing to complain about there, but just you don't want to see that, obviously. And then his second interception, which honestly almost took us out of the game, felt like it almost popped the bubble. We're up 28 to three and he makes a, or tries to make a cross. Uh, Coop has a crossing route and he ends up throwing to him. And it's interesting. Stafford actually says that I'm, I'm cutting that loose every time I'm, I'm making that pass every single time because he said it, they just had a really nice man coverage and they played it well. But if you look at the play, I mean, cup is almost, there's almost three guys on him, and uh, he just really was never open. So to me, I, I think that is a very bad decision. We're up 28-3. I believe it was second and seven, six minutes, 39 seconds left on the game, or six minutes, 29 seconds left on the game. There's just no reason to force anything. And if you look at the play, Henderson's guy comes off him and starts to guard Cup, which obviously Stafford's released, but Henderson's wide open about at the script line of scrimmage and I for sure believe he can at least get 10 yards for the first down I mean it's second and seven so in my mind there's just nothing to force we're up 28-3 nothing needs to be forced if we 
if we end up having to punt, we end up having to punt. Rely on the defense that's only given up three points at this time. So that was obviously costly. They end up almost coming back. So that was, I felt like, a, a the huge blemish, the one big blemish of this game and one that I hope uh, we learn from. Now, again, back to some of the highlights. Rams' defense uh, was just unbelievable. It was incredible. Our defense was so stout. We only allowed three points up until the 320 mark left in the third quarter. And without and that came after then his that pick when we were up 28-3. So without that pick, we could have held them into the third, into the fourth, and who knows after that, uh, to three points, at least long enough to give us the surefire win, and we kind of coast from there. So our defense just looks stout. We look great. Um, originally, it came out they gave Donald a D minus on a rating for defense until I think the statistics came out, and he had a lot more pressures and, and breakups than honestly we gave him credit for. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to botch this, but the what is it the P P P P R R or P R P whatever? There's a stat out there, and he was ranked or he, they gave him a 92%, which was the highest on the Rams' defense. Um, so Donald looked fine. Everybody looked really good. Bobby Wagner was so active. That was good to see him, too. You know, week one, it just – week one all around, we just were – you know, we looked shell-shocked. Uh, but we came in week two, and we just – we were active. We came out swinging. Um, we were confident. I, I, it, was, it was great to see, and Bobby Wagner was a huge part of that. And then Jalen Ramsey's pick at the end – that just moss the receiver was just that was an unbelievable play by a great defender. Uh, but we held Atlanta 200 to 261 total yards, and we got off the field defensively 70% of the time on third down and only committed three three penalties. So you can't ask your for your defense to do anything more. Uh, so tons of confidence in our defense heading into week three. But I'll tell you an interesting stat. So now looking outside of defense. Now earlier I said I love seeing Akers getting more involved. That was wonderful. Henderson had a good game too. But here's an interesting fact. Yards before and after contact in the run game in 2022. All the teams, and they have this chart. I'm looking at this chart. I did not come up with this. I don't know who did, so I'm sorry. But good job putting this together. I cannot take credit for it. The Rams are dead last in yards before contact per rush. They sit at zero, which Powell's safety this last week I don't think helped anything. You know, I think he went back 20-some-odd yards or whatever he did. So that doesn't help our statistics here. But still, zero. Yards before contact per rush, zero. We sit at zero. That is dead last in the NFL. Uh, you know who sits first with yards before contact? The Detroit Lions, almost four yards. Their offensive line is just killing it. And then yards after contact per rush, so after we get hit, we sit at 2.5, which is about bottom 10. The team that's doing the best here is interesting is the Philadelphia Eagles at almost five yards after contact per rush. Um, but many other teams sitting at about three and a half to four, some just, a, just above three. So I looked at that stat and I just thought, man, you know, it's cool to see these guys get more involved, but we still got a lot of improvement. We still got to get that run game going so we can open up Cup, Allen, and all of our wide receivers. So I hope, I hope we start, we continue to progress, continue to, um, to get that better. Now, notable injuries, um, we kind of got a lot of them, man. It feels like people are dropping like flies right now. Um, our left and right guard, Tremaine Ankrum, who is kind of coming on this year, and even had his first start this last week, 
unfortunately, McVay just confirmed after that, that game that he's going to miss the rest of the season. So always sad to see him go down. Um, our center, Brian Allen, continues to be out. Uh, but we had Coleman Shelton again coming through, which was huge. So feels like that's not as much of a that's not as much of a hole now. But still, love to get Brian Allen back and get Coleman Shelton back in his primary position. Van Jefferson with his knee is still out. I don't think he pra- he did not practice Thursday, so he's more than likely going to be out this upcoming week, which is sad. Love to see him get going as well. Um, he's just you know he I don't think you know he's not elite. But he's a good wide receiver, good head on his shoulders, and just a good good guy to have on the field. Reliable. Uh, Troy Hill, kind of crazy here, was questionable going into this week with a groin injury, and now they place him on the IR. So again, that just kind of brought me back to okay, Kobe Durant's going to get his his opportunity. He's going to get his chance. And unfortunately, now he's listed as questionable. Kobe Durant is with a hamstring injury, so hoping he can progress. Hoping hoping he can get healthy. Got some injuries happening, which every team does. This is the NFL. These are grown men. These are six foot four, three hundred pound linemen, three hundred fifty pound linemen, running four three forties, um, that are hitting you like a brick wall. So you, guys are going to get hurt. It's just life. It's what happens. It's the it's it's what happens in this game. Uh, but you hate to see some of these guys go down. So hopefully we can stay healthy. Hopefully we can you know it's that next guy up mentality. Um, now, we were able to sign Ode Abushi, who, according to Sean McVay, said he's a guy that has a bunch of starts in this league, and he's a tough and physical competitor. Um, so he's really excited for this guy. We're, pre- we're calling him up from the practice squad, and apparently he's done a great job of just immersing himself into the culture and the team. So excited to have that guy on. Uh, just excited for him to make the most of his opportunity. Um, now, this week against the Cardinals, this week in particular, we open up as fourth in the power rankings. Uh, last week we were fifth. Uh, ESPN's advice to us was this: stop turning over the ball, which we agree. Thank you, ESPN. But yeah, fourth in power rankings is always a confidence booster. Love seeing us uh, go up one. But yeah, looking in, looking up to this week against the Arizona Cardinals, we're going into Arizona. Um, I feel really good. I, at the beginning of the year, I had a W for us. I still have a W for us. Still as confident as I am in this W. But here's some interesting things about the Rams and the Cardinals. Since 2017, uh, the Rams are 10-1 and against the Cardinals. Their only loss coming last October. Um, and, and another interesting fact for all you betters out there is they cover the spread in all but one of those games. So there you go. If that doesn't give you more confidence in our team, I don't know what will. We're opening as three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, it was four-and-a-half earlier this week. Now it's three-and-a-half. So not going in the direction you want, but – that's pretty um, that's pretty normal for betting lines to go a little bit more towards the middle. Uh, three and a half is still good though. And uh, I think I think the reason it's moving towards more towards the Cardinals is because of their you know the win they had this last week against the Las Vegas Raiders. you know they look they were looking to get blown out and just kind of had a miracle comeback and ended up sealing it off in, o, in OT. And I'll tell you what Kyler Murray, who I, I really do. I think he had, he had a pretty good season overall last year until the end. And then the playoffs, you know, we, he just looked, he looked terrible. Um, but even this week, week one, or this year, week one, and then most of week two, he looked rough. He just does not look himself. He doesn't look confident. So I, um, you know, that, that OT win, I think was huge for that, that program, huge for him, huge, a big confidence booster. So, 
I think it'll be a good game, but I still think we should come out with a commanding W to make us two and one. I still feel good about it. You know, going into Arizona, I always feel good about playing Arizona. And I just think we, it's, it's a division, division rivalry uh, that we just seem to have the number of, you know, obviously being 10 and one since 2017. So here's six interesting facts about this game. Things didn't, things to just know. And this is all from the Rams wire again, but six facts that'll give you some confidence for this game. Or should most of them will. Uh, first one is Rams have outscored the Cardinals three hundred and thirty-five to one hundred and sixty-two under Sean McVay. That's a massacre. Obviously, we're ten and one during that time. All of the games have been a pretty wide margin too. Um, I think eight of the wins have been at least by ten points, and then five of them have been at least by twenty points. Um, so just you know, commanding victories against these teams. And we just got their number, simple as that. Now, second one is Cardinals are one of two teams with no field goal attempts this season. Not a big deal. It's only week two, but still, they have no field goal attempts. Poor Matt Prater. Feel bad for him. Thirdly, the Cardinals rank last in third down offense. Uh, the Rams are fifth, so that's good. Opposite ends there. Um, they're not converting very well on third down, and we, we are. Fourth, the Rams and Cardinals are the NFL's worst third down defenses, which obviously come in – from week one against the Bills, they ended up converting nine for 10 on third downs against us, the Bills did. So that's 90%. So that never helps us. Week two was a little bit differently. I think um, we we stopped them 70% of the time last week against the Falcons. So they're, they, you know, they converted for 30%. So obviously they're going to meet in the middle a little bit. But um, yeah, we are, we are, Rams and Cardinals are the NFL's worst third down defenses. So there you go. I don't think that bodes as well for the Cardinals, though, with our offense being one of the high, higher rated um, third down offenses. So I feel good about our odds there. Fifth, Cardinals are the only team to hold Cooper Cup under 92 yards since 2021. That's unreal. Cup has played in 23 games since the start of the 2021 season. And in 21 of those games, he's caught at least six passes for 92 yards. That's unreal. The only two games he has he's been held under those uh, six catches and 92 yards. You guessed it against the Cardinals in Week Four, against the Cardinals in the Wild Card Round. Um, unbelievable! So they're the only team that's kept kept him in check. Um, so it's going to be kind of a fun matchup this Sunday with Byron Murphy and Buda Baker and that whole secondary to see what they can do um, to stop Cup if they can keep him under 92. If he's going to finally get over 92 with them, but just an absurd stat just shows you how how good that dude is. And in six, Cardinals have allowed the most points in the NFL. Love hearing that. Um, obviously, we're we're progressing, I think, in the, in a good way. And um, from week one to week two, we have our blemishes. Now, someone to look out for in this game, or at least in this season. Don't know if it's going to happen this game, but with Bryce and Hopkins being suspended, the the talk is kind of who's going to fill that uh, that, that tight end role now that's, that's going to be the backup to Tyler Higby. And we just called up, uh, Kendall Blanton. I think we actually traded for him maybe, but this Kendall Blanton, somebody to look out for that I think could be getting the call up is Jacob Harris. Now he was a wide receiver coming out of UCF two years ago. He's six foot five, he's 211 pounds and he runs about a four, three forty, And he's just a freak athlete. So while he hasn't been called up yet, I do believe we may start seeing him as a tight end role here before long. I really do. I, I'm, I, he didn't start playing football, I think, until he was like – it was high school or even late high school. So he's pretty raw, but he had a pretty good UCF career. 
and he's just a big, physical, athletic, fast guy that we ended up drafting. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to see him get some touches and some playing time and to get called up. So be on the lookout for Jacob Harris. All right. Now to the fun part of the episode. Would you put your hands together and welcome the doctor of analytics, a master analyzer, a savant of all things sports, but most importantly, my friend, Jairus Tinklenberg. Thanks for having me, Jared. It's an honor, sir. Jairus is a good friend of mine. Like I said, a savant of all things sports, a man I run to for <clears throat> a lot of things, analytics, really. And it doesn't matter what sport, you seem to know them all. I wish you guys could see him right now. He looks so great, <laughs> lounging on his couch. I told him it's audio only. He doesn't know that this is going out in video. But Jairus, okay, I just, yeah, Jairus, you're in, so you're in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona right now. Yep. Go Suns, right? Oh, yeah. Right across from the stadium. Mm -hmm. Grew up in Florida. That's correct. Correct. I was until yeah, 12 years I was old. Florida and then Texas after that. Now AZ for a year. Yeah. Arlington, Texas from there on out. You grew up a Rams fan, which a lot of people would say, why were you a Rams fan? The Rams being in St. Louis, I think most of your life. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the good old days. Oh, go ahead. What I was yeah, going to say is. I'm always curious about fandom because for me, it's whoever you grew up watching. And so I'm kind of mm -hmm. convinced that if your dad is a sports fan, then you're a sports fan and you adopt his teams. Um, and that's, yep. that's very much what happened to me. And my dad has been a ransom for a long time. Like back when they were in LA originally, he lived out there for a little bit and he, okay, like, that makes yeah, sense. so I he fell that. in love with them. So then, here I am, a little kid in Florida, and that's the team we're watching on Sunday and watching the play-by-play -play and all that. So I was all in. Greatest show on turf. I was, yeah, all in on the Rams, um, sweating every game, watching every game I can, if, if yeah. not on TV, on play-by-play, -play, and then, like, if they're on Monday Night Football, it was obviously a huge deal. You could actually watch them, you know. So, yep. yeah, I grew up loving them and, like, irrationally losing sleep over losses, thinking about you know yep. the matchup in church you know just waiting to get home and watch the game amen dude <laughs> is that an amen? thinking about is reading that, the bible thinking about is the that game kind of what your fandom was like or was i just like way too invested for a 10 year old boy um i i'd say i was mostly cardinals when i was real young but i was still rams because i remember our playoff games against michael vick and the falcons okay and i remember i just Everyone loved Michael Vick because the dude was so fast, but he could he had a cannon for an arm, obviously. Yeah. But they just notoriously kind of beat us up in the playoffs for a long time, like earlier, like you know, post Super Bowl, like those first couple years after the Super Bowl, mostly Mark Bolger, I think. Um, so I remember watching the games in the basement, the playoff games, and just getting so frustrated. And I, I remember at one point in the game, this is I, I can't remember what year this is, but Michael Vick is just shredding us. And I was so ticked. I said, I cannot watch this game anymore. And I couldn't have been eight years old, nine years old. So definitely remember loving this team, having such an affection for them, and being just broken when we lost. Um, obviously, the first episode, I kind of recapped like how I was a Rams fan. My dad – so what it looked like is most people in my area, I'm from – just outside of Quincy, Illinois, 
So you're either a Bears fan or a Rams fan. So it made more, I guess. Is it evenly um, split, or is it? I mean, now no. I... There's you can't find a Rams okay. fan in sight. I, say, I, I mean, feel so like the Bears have have like a pretty definitely strong Bears. fan base. It seems like Bears, definitely. Cowboys, Steelers, Packers are the big ones. Yeah, it, it's. It's for sure bears in our area now, but for a while there, you, you I mean, you would, you'd catch a lot of kids in Rams jerseys, uh, Kurt Warner, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Marshall Falk. Oh yeah. I so all those. tons of fans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we obviously win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, you go to school and everyone's got a Jersey on and then all of a sudden we just took a nosedive into the, what I call the 40 years of wandering the desert, which is just excruciating. I, you, I would I say you mentioned that on episode one. <laughs> yeah, so where I would say is most of the people fell off right there. Okay. And all of a sudden now everyone's like, ah, I don't really like the Rams. They got rid of their jerseys. They burned them. Um, I just stuck with it for some reason. I So I just – I had more of an affection for them the worse we got. Um, I almost never miss a game, man. Never missed a game. And then college too, they had – you know. On campus, they had the Sunday ticket or whatever the package was. I, I watched every single game. So, so I have, yeah. So my dad was a, ga- a fan. My dad was a Rams fan, and then he obviously he ended up kind of being Colts, but he really was just nominal, a nominal fan. Didn't really okay. care, um, and I just stuck with the Rams. Absolutely. So what are your two? I have though, two dude. distinct losing memories, and I'm curious what yours are. Um, I remember losing yeah. in overtime of a playoff game to the Panthers. I want to say Steve Smith had like a touchdown in overtime. Dang. Do you remember that game? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And who was the quarterback? Jake DeLone, I, probably. Um, Jake DeLone. Yeah. Yes. And then I do remember obviously that. Obviously the Super Bowl against the Patriots. And I think I cried both yeah, of those Yeah, that was games. horrible. But those are the two losses I, think I, I remember. And then yep. one more thing. You were talking about Michael Vick. I remember my dad took me my first Rams game. We, went, we drove up to Atlanta, the uh, Georgia Dome, and watched uh, Michael Vick. And I'm pretty sure the Falcons won. Against the Rams, but that was a reg- oh, yeah. regular season game. For me, I don't too, remember losing. The I just remember in the Jake DeLome. I don't remember that. I know you had said that. Yeah, I should have looked that up. I didn't think about that, but yeah, I mean, I was thinking it was once or twice, and maybe maybe one of those memories is just a regular season game that we just lost. I'm not sure, but um, painful, painful, a lot of painful years for us. So, for my introduction of the episode, I let people know you're a former Rams fan. So. You grew up in Florida, you moved to Arlington, then you're now in Arizona, and you're a fan for one of the worst teams in NFL history for so long, and then it happens to be the the Super Bowl year. You drop off the map. You no longer you no longer respond to my texts. <laughs> you no longer call me about games. No, none of that. We we, we, we no longer. That. It's just yeah. I I can I feel the love dropping yeah. off from it you. It was and I'm a little thinking, more. Dang, dumb. we're losing Jarris. What has happened? Why are you now a former Rams fan as opposed to a Rams fan? What has happened? That, that's a fair question. Especially the Super Bowl. Think about that. The year we I, win the Super I didn't Bowl, you're know gone. They were going to do that, but also like. You're not wrong. We used to call and recap games, and I'd be excited, and we would get together and watch some oh, games. Oh, it'd be amazing. I would argue texting throughout the whole game. I would argue it was a little more gradual. It wasn't like 2020. We were I was all in, and then yeah. you know, but yep. last year was a, I think I blatantly said like you asked me. I really respect it. You're like straight up, do you care? And I said no, absolutely not. Um, and the reason why and that hurt. I, I know it hurt deeply because you still talk about it. Like I thought, forgive and forget, <laughs> but apparently not. Um, I can't forget that. So a couple of years ago, I started like just being really 
intrigued by the like game theory of football and like the coaching and the front office and making the correct decision and like just I know I I'm the first to admit like real nerdy things like what I care about is okay are they going for fourth down when they should are they mm -hmm. throwing the ball enough are they mm -hmm. you know using their timeouts correctly are they taking shots downfield and like or are they being too conservative game managers like dumping down type things and I don't like I don't know why I just cared about cared about that um but mm -hmm. I, but I still cared about the Rams and then when I moved to Arizona sports gambling you became a sports gambling dude. is legal here and I went okay real quick can I can I stop you yeah I remember you kind of okay so not only were you walking away from the Rams but you were kind of getting on the Arizona Cardinals bandwagon last year I was in on the Cardinals yeah, yeah. Okay, so I told so before this episode, I was thinking, what was the team that you kind of have passion for? And I, I could not remember. It, and that's what it was: the Arizona Cardinals. That makes sense. And and I'm just recapping yeah. the season they had. Second half was horrible. Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. So analytics, you start getting into sports betting because it's legal in Arizona. Yeah, and so I just when you start betting, you start caring about like these random things you're betting on, and I just stopped the fantasy football. Yeah, thing, exactly. Kinda. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just stopped caring about the Rams. Um, and, dude, I don't know. I don't know why. Does that make sense? But that's really what happened. And there like, you go, I folks. Cannot, I cannot be more blatant. I could not care less if they lose every game the rest of the season or win. And I did not get any joy out of them winning the Super Bowl. It was sad. Well, folks, this has been a fun episode. Yeah, I'm gone. Uh, brought to you by Eubanks Appraisal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. And I, I respect that you're honest with it. I respect that you're able to just talk about it. And I love football. To hear that it had, it. to hear that the Super Bowl had no effect is crazy is, to me. It, 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 because it, it almost made me tear up. But I get it. I get it. I really do. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. But I, 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 I guess, can't believe it. Yeah, I was happy for you, and my dad still cares. Um, and like a couple friends. So it was like, were you happy for Todd Gurley? Was he on the team? I was. No, he's long gone. I was, I'm happy. I really like Sean McVay, you know, and yeah, I was happy for some of the guys. I wouldn't say Gurley was one of yeah. them. Yeah. So okay, before now talking about this team today and maybe recapping the Super Bowl a little bit, what you see as as a guy that loves analytics mm -hmm. and you're really smart about the game, very objective view of everything. I appreciate that. Um, let's recap the years you were kind of a fan. I just want to ask, like, okay, so. Who was your player growing up? Who who were your guys? Did so obviously the greatest show on turf, but was there one player in particular that you're like, dude, I just love this guy. Had his jersey, had like three of his jerseys, um, and when he retired, it was like the saddest thing on earth. Any guys in particular that you loved uh, watching growing up? Yeah, I'd say the three biggest. So I wish I like had a unique spin on this, but it was who everyone else like. It was Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Troy Holt. Yep. Those three were my guys, and then the Not Kurt Warner. I, I liked Kurt Warner too. Yeah. But I, I like those like skill position guys a little more. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, and then the, Flashy. the one random guy I always really liked. And like when you were asking this, his name came to my mind was Aeneas Williams, like the defensive back. Yes. And I don't, yes. I think I saw him when I was young. Like he probably had the first pick six I ever had or I ever okay. saw. And I just was like, this dude's yeah. electric. Like Aeneas Williams. That was, yeah. that was my guy. Okay. So jump forward. 2021, 2022, I guess, technically, we won it in 2022. We win the Super Bowl. You have no affection for the Rams, though, so you, you don't care at all. 
Um, but what were your kind of thoughts? You still being a Rams fan for so long, seeing them now finally win the Super Bowl. They got Matt Stafford, um, a guy that was in Detroit for was it eleven years and yeah. just a painful eleven years in Detroit. Comes to L.A., wins a Super Bowl, has a great year for the most part. Obviously, some blemishes in there, like anybody else would. Has a great year, and they cap it off with a win in the Super Bowl against the Bengals. Even though it, your fandom wasn't into it, was there kind of an appreciation or like, man, this is cool to see Stafford win it? Or it's, it is cool to see. I know you were happy for me and your dad and people that are Rams fans, but give me your thoughts on the Super Bowl win, what you thought of it. I was actually – I was happy for Stafford, and I think that's because Stafford just has a like – I feel like he has a good reputation, but because he was like super loyal to Detroit and like – at least in my mind, he's like the really tough quarterback. Um, he played all those years behind a bad O line and like just lost every mm-hmm. single year. I think they went to the playoffs one or two times. Um, and he's yeah. from Dallas and he's just like a, a good dude. His wife's been through a lot. So I actually did find myself um, happy for Stafford, probably the most of anyone on the team. Um, as far as winning the Super Bowl goes, I, I thought it was, I'm going to sound like a hater, but I thought it was a little bit fluky which there's always luck involved, but I didn't think the Rams were a top two team in the league for sure. Um, Like I definitely think the Chiefs and the Bills were better and they got lucky to face the Bengals who I don't think was probably even a top five team. And we're kind of saying that early on this year, Mm -hmm. but you can say that for so many teams. So nothing to take away from the Rams, but I think they – they caught some fortunate breaks, which was good. And, and they, they were a great team, but does that make sense? I just don't think they were the best yeah. the best team in the league. But Yeah, that was probably the best matchup we could have hoped for, for sure. as a team yeah. is to play the Cincinnati Bengals, who were just nowhere to be found you know, in the first half of the season. And then I think kind of just came on real late and then all of a sudden just put a magical playoff run in to get to the yeah. Super Bowl. So I kind of told – you know, early on in some episodes that um, every game we went into in the playoffs, I felt like the Rams should win this. Like just every yeah. matchup we had, yeah. even though uh, we played the Bucks, like that was obviously a hard matchup, but I just felt confident in this team. But then the Super Bowl, which typically I'm pretty pessimistic, and I'll get into a Super Bowl, like our Super Bowl against the Patriots, like in 2018. Yeah. I'm like, we have no shot. No shot with Jared Goff. I remember that one. And it was just, you know, going against the Bengals, I'm thinking, dude, you you know, we could be going against the Bills. We could be going against the Chiefs, and we're going against the Bengals. So I just had a lot of confidence. But I I do agree with you. We could have been playing a lot better team. There's no doubt about it. So what – No doubt. But you were really confident in them last year. So I want to ask, like, what what made you so confident more so than usual? Because you said in in years past you were a pessimist. So what was different about this team? I think, honestly, the main difference was simply just Matthew Stafford. I agree. I think that's the answer, bro. It's a quarterback-driven league. It's a quarterback-driven league. I mean, you're only as good as your O-line, though, and that goes for runs and and your quarterback having time. But we did. We had a good O-line. We had good receivers. Cooper Cup, I think, is incredible. But obviously, if you don't have a quarterback that can get him the ball, you're only going to be so good. But just simply – his confidence and experience was just – it was inevitable when you watched him. I mean, it was just so obvious. The guy had such confidence. He didn't have any, you know, performances that you're just – that necessarily just stood super out. 
but he just he did what he needed to do every game, and he made the plays that he needed to make, and he did it even in the Super Bowl, and that's just something that Jared Goff just never did. And I never, I never got to a point in um, in Jared Goff's time with the Rams that I that I said I I trust this guy and I, on this drive. I, can, uh, or I trust him late in the game. I can vouch for you because I was I was higher on Goff than you. Uh, back when I was up yeah. there, I remember we'd have calls and you'd just be like, ah, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Um, just something about it, I just never trusted. Yeah. He, I don't know. Once he had that year, I you think know. it was 2018. I was like. Yeah, it was. It was. Do you remember that game against the Chiefs? I think it was him and Mahomes. It was like forty-eight, forty-five. Or uh, so. I was like, Dude, oh yeah. That I think I gave Goff too much credit for that game, and I was like, this dude has upside, and I kind of rode with him for a while, and now he's very mediocre, very very mediocre. Yeah, which he had a he's had a great. Yeah. I mean, at least a Dude, good the li- week too. Yeah, the lines are fun. I, I root for Goff. I, I like the guy, but yeah, he yeah he's. He can't be the quarterback of a Super Bowl winning team. There's probably I don't, seven or eight guys who can, and Stafford showed that last year. Yeah, and obviously sports is is, is massively mental, and mm-hmm. I think golf was just at a place where he just was never given the confidence from our team or from especially McVay after that year, after the Super Bowl loss. I, we just obviously never recovered. Yeah. It was over. They started, uh, and it was pretty evident. They started the other dude in the playoff game. What's his uh, – John Wolford? Yeah, which I guess Scoff was kind of you know, hurt, but I was like, this is crazy. So did you see the safety with Powell at the end of the game this last week? They took a safety with like oh, so yeah, fourth yeah. and he seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, he ran the clock out. Yeah, yeah, okay. He ran the clock out, ran out of bounds. That was John Wolford that came up with that. So shout out John okay. Wolford. Good job, dude. Good tidbit. Backup QB coming up with some great plays. Get it down to six seconds. Anyway, so, okay, as, an, as a guy that loves analytics, Jerris, you love the NBA too. But for the sake of the NFL, you love analytics. What is a what is a stat that you do you find yourself looking at a specific stat for a player, a rating, um, maybe the Madden NFL rating uh, that you're looking at to see how good these players are? Is there anything in particular that you uh, kind of find yourself fixating on and saying this is this is the true stat for how good a player is? Yeah, there's there's a lot of them. Um... And, I know it depends yeah. on the probably the position, There's but so many variables. But I'll start with a team one, and it's called um, Pythagorean wins, which basically I, that's a stat I look at after every year and going in, and it shows what a team's record should have been, like all things considered, and it's trying to take out like unpredictable things. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. So so. Point differential is huge. So I'm trying to think of who, who the team would be last year. But sometimes we'll have a team go 11-6, and six, but and they win all of their close games. Um, mm. and Like the Rams a couple of years ago yeah, we did that. And I close remember. The games, 50-50 games, like, we won them all. Yeah, if you look back at historical data, close games tend to not repeat year over year. You're not going to find the same team that is winning all these one-score games every single year. For like one reason people were really high on the Chargers this year is the Chargers were like, I'm making this number up, I don't know the exact number, but they were like one in six in one possession games. And odds are mm-hmm. that's fluky, it's gonna um, regress to the mean and they're gonna be like four and three or three or four. Does that make sense? So yep. put that yep, yeah, so that that's that's a team one. Um, a stat I'm really into for quarterbacks lately because I'm all in on like being aggressive, chunking the ball down the field, like, is 
um, the average depth of target and it, it so that's for receivers and then um, so that's like how far from the line of scrimmage they were on their targets does that make sense hmm. um, explain that a little bit yeah so if I was like in third grade explain okay. that so a receiver who just like catches a bunch of screens and like slants their average depth of yep. target is going to be like six or seven yards um, okay, so like a Debo Samuel exactly, or something like that. Yeah, and then you have someone who like totally stretches the field and has like double-digit average depth of target. Tyreek Hill yeah. or something. and th- that's actually a fantasy stat. Fantasy nerds are obsessed with that because yeah, Tyreek Hill is a great one, yeah. You want guys, you want to draft guys with higher depth of target because then they have way more upside because for, for longer yep. touchdowns, longer, more explosive plays. Does that make sense? It's probably a little higher risk, high reward, though. It, so if yeah. you're, like, not playing PP, like points per reception, then you take the guy mm-hmm. that gets the slants or the, you know, the screen yeah. or whatever so, it is. So that would be one. And then on the uh, flip side, I also like quarterbacks. Like, there's way more upside for quarterbacks that are throwing the ball down the field. Like, Justin Herbert's, you know, re- really good at that. And then yep. we have, like, I mean, these two quarterbacks Mahomes. tonight, Jacoby Brissett and Mitch Trubisky, who are, you know, throwing – six or seven yards at a time and they're just not gonna you know put up as many stats but those are a couple of them that's interesting yeah that's super interesting i'm glad i asked you that because um those are two i've not heard of um so in an analytical world who do you believe and this is subjective to talk about players who do you believe is the best player in the nfl analytically speaking on offense I'll do a defense too. Do you kn- maybe you haven't dived that deep into analytics to have an opinion on who the best is? But I'm just curious if you because I know like okay, so for baseball, you're a big baseball guy. Yeah. Mike Trout, you would consider analytically the best yeah. player yeah. of all time, correct? At I least would. in the last 50 years or whatever. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Him or Barry so Bonds. Does that? Yeah. Does that? Okay. Whoa. Interesting. <laughs> I might have to cut that out because he <laughs> took steroids. So Just did kidding. your boy Maguire. But okay. Let's hey, talk all right. Let's chill. talk football. All right. Let's talk football. Get back to football. Is there a stat like that in the NFL? Uh, there's like war creeping into football, which is wins above replacement. Um, okay. So I know you – that's Trout's like – that's yeah. bread and butter to be honest, right there. I, I don't like – I'm not checking that daily or anything, but I would say the two best offensive players are Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Like – that's the thing. Like, yeah, you don't need some complicated stat to know that. Um, but I could easily dig yep. up an advanced stat to prove that. Um, yep. And then defensively, it's probably Donald. One guy that's really underrated that grades out really good defensively is Fred Warner, the Niners linebacker. Okay. And that's because okay. the league is shifting to obviously more passing, and he's one of the best coverage okay. linebackers, which is just really, really valuable. And then a guy I really respect, um, his name's Eric Eager, and he, like, runs pro football focus, thinks Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the league, which isn't a hot take, but there's, like, he's, he's like, as analytical as they come. And I've always wondered, like, is it Jefferson? Is it Cup? Is it Hopkins? Is it Adams? And he says... Devontae Adams, I think. Yeah, yeah he says uh, Jefferson. And then the other, the last one is... Uh, Analytics are extremely high on Trent Williams, the 49ers left tackle of being like one of the most important players in football. Just wow. Yeah. Left tackle is the most like debatably. I mean, outside of quarterback, it could be the most important position. 
Isn't that nuts? It is nuts. Something you would no never one, know no, outside of analytics. Yeah, and no one knows. And this is all like this isn't fact. This is debatable. Um, but no one cares yeah. about left tackles, and I don't blame them. Like it's it's boring. Um, but okay. if you think about it, and how much teams pass, like you need to have your blind side protected, and oh, absolutely. Look how much these guys are making. Tackles are making more money than any position, not quarterback, right? Man, if they are, I didn't know that. That's nuts. Off the I fact, mean, you off it's, it's, to me. Myself. Yeah, to me, it's your O line is as important as anything else on the field. It's mm-hmm. not obviously the by any means the flashiest. Yeah, or they don't get any recognition. They're not even touching a football, the very thing that they're playing, but they're keeping the quarterback safe and giving him the ability to throw. Now, obviously, you got quarterbacks like Allen that can get the ball out in two seconds. Like if you look at the stat tracker, it's like the guy's getting the ball out of his hand in two seconds. Yeah. So you need that too, but and you're you're only as good as your O line. So there's a reason those guys are all drafted in the first, second round, yeah. and that's why people boo. But they ultimately you're like, no, we need a good O line. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Do you feel like the Rams had a good O line yesterday, uh, last year, like better than normal? Last year, yes. Okay. Week one, I think it's a combination of both. We were kind of beat up. Note boom, Joe Note boom got the start, and this is his first start. I mean, it's not technically his first start, but it's his first time that he is the starter starting one, the season, yeah. and he's the guy. Week one with Whitworth out, and he just got exposed by Von Miller. So I think it's a combination of we're kind of just we're young, a little bit new, a little bit fresh, and then obviously the Bills are just – I think the Bills, in my opinion, are the best team in football. I, I think totally most people would say agree. that right now. I totally agree. Both offensively and defensively. I mean, they are unreal. Their defense is incredible. Yeah. So week two they had the – I mean, they had the same game. Dude, week two. They're awesome. So, they're awesome. Um, week two was much better against the Falcons. Um, Brian Allen goes out with an injury. I talked about that in the first segment. And then Coleman Shelton has taken his place from right guard to now center, and he did a great job. So, I think we're just gelling. I think it just takes time. I think that's with everybody. We're just, we just started slow. The Bills started really fast, and we started really slow. But I think we're progressing in the right direction. So, do you wanna, last year, O-line was good. Do you want to come this to the year, game this we're week? We're a little shaky. I'll be a Rams fan if you come yeah. up. They play in Arizona on Sunday, right? Oh, yeah, they do. I'll be there. Can you get a ticket? If you come, yeah. Let's do it. I want to be a fan again. This this episode is rejuvenating <sighs> my, my fandom. What, what would it take for you to become a Rams fan again? I would have to, like, it would take a friend. Like, if I have someone, like, with me experiencing watching the games because i'm not going to do it on like i'm not going to do it by myself i don't have rams fan friends here watching yeah. games with me i've got a, so i've got a phone dude that's, yeah that's not enough if you come to the game on me come to the game with me on sunday then i'll be a fan again all right i'll see <laughs> i'll check it out let me look at tickets let me look at the uh flights let me talk to my wife that would be fun so what? So that's what it would take for you to become a Rams fan. Is is there any? This will be one of my last questions. Is there any player on the Rams right now that you miss? That you're like, dang. When I see this guy, I just kind of think about my years as a fan, like or the you know the good times. Anybody you miss from the team? Are you totally disconnected? No. You like, cut all the heartstrings off. I I like Cooper Cup. I mean, yeah. yeah. If you ask me, my favorite player. I don't know. That's a good question. Who is my favorite player? So I guess the answer to your question is no. Like, there's guys I like and respect, but there's no one that I'm like, I really want this guy to succeed. Not Jalen Ramsey. Not even Cup. Just because I know you love Jalen Ramsey. You overrate him. 
I don't overrate him at all. That dude, He's, did you see his pick? That was awesome. Yeah, because, yeah. That, Unbelievable. That was, anytime he makes a play, I think about you because you're his biggest fan there is. Well, I, I think he just kind of – he can kind of get a bad rap, and I'm like, dude, this dude is – he does everything you could ask for as a corner. He's good. Everything. Oh, yeah, he grades and out. I think the analytics grade he's him number not, one almost every year. Exactly. And Aaron – he's as close to Aaron Donald in defense as you could ask yeah. for. And, spe- and he's on the same team. Dude, I, I just think he's he's about as important as anybody what's else. What's really interesting is, like, if I wasn't a fan of a team growing up and, like, became a fan of a team now – you know how I told you I, talk, I like, like, getting into the weeds of, like, coaching and free agency and, like, how teams yeah. are run? The Rams are running the team. Like, I love how they're running it. They're going all in every year. Like, the, the no draft pick. They have stars all over, like, the field on both sides of the ball. Like, it's really yeah. cool. And I think the move to L.A. was great. I think it, like, helped them land these players so much. Like, I don't think Ramsey – and Donald are re-signing in St. Louis. I just don't think it's happening. No, we're not getting Stafford if we're in St. Yeah. Louis. I don't even know if we would have McVay. I mean, I know that he was the first year coming over to L.A., but would we have McVay? Maybe not. He probably, in St. Yeah, Louis? he probably knew. Wait, what was was McVay's first year in St. Louis? 2017, I think. Wasn't it? Or 20, they was probably it knew they were moving, right? I don't remember. Oh, for sure guy. they knew they were moving. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I think the move is a no-brainer. There's no doubt about that. I, I 100% agree. And uh, I, I said this early on in the podcast, episode one, I think. As a Rams fan, you could not, I couldn't ask for them to do anything more to make us successful mm-hmm. or for me to be pleased. Like, there's yeah. nothing for me to complain about because all over the league, uh, fans complain we're not getting the players. We're not going out and trading. We're not getting to the market. And that's what we do it's all so day cool. as we go out the and exception. get players. So I want to ask. They are the exception. Like, there are going to be punished like repercussions for this down the line. And are you okay with like, there's going to be a year where they're really, really bad because all of the guys they've signed are aged now. They're not good anymore. And they have no young talent because they haven't had a draft pick in years. Like, is it worth, did you just say they're not good anymore? Not yet. I'm saying like in a couple of years, like Jalen Ramsey is not going to be elite and Aaron Donald is not going to be elite. Yeah. They're going to have, very they don't have a ton of like young talent you know what i mean bobby wagner yeah but for me it's like winning the super bowl totally worth it but say they didn't win the super bowl last year is there a trade-off yeah. where it's not worth it for you for because like like you yeah, said like if we so let's say we go the next five years and we don't even make the playoffs yeah let's and say we're five back losing seasons in a row. Years. five losing seasons in a row yeah um i i 100 think it's totally. worth it because yeah you win the Super okay. Bowl. I mean, that's a once kind of in a lifetime, I feel like, yeah. opportunity, or at least a once in a career opportunity. Think about how many guys don't go to the Super Bowl. Think about how many guys go and they don't win. So many. Um, so to me, I'm thinking they've justified everything they did about trading picks. And as a fan, I'm like, dude, I, I'm so appreciative that they did that, that they put it all on the line so that we win. And not only – so we win in 20, 2018 – and people kind of thought they were saying back then our window's small, like you got to go now. We end up losing. They said, "Is this the end of the window?" Okay, fast forward to twenty twenty two, and we win the Super Bowl with a with a new quarterback, Stafford. So this window might be it's bigger than what people think. And we did we got the job done, and now we're pushing for this year. We're but this week in the power rankings, we're number four. 
So we're in a great spot again. I mean, a spot that most people, I would say, before the Buffalo Bills game said we're Super Bowl contenders. I think we'll eventually get back there to at least being a contender. So, yeah, totally worth it, like 100%. We won the Super Bowl last year, and we could be back in it this year. Probably not. But it could happen for could sure. Dude, for? You know the I mean? NFC, the I NFC is yeah. not great this year. The AFC is no is definitely stronger. I, oh, for yeah. sure. But you just never know how it's going to pan out. What team's going to come out? Yeah, you know what I mean. So I agree. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't ask for anything more as a fan, for sure. Who's your favorite but, player um, besides oh, Ramsey? I, Ramsey has to be your number one, based on you know. I don't think it is. Johnny, I Hecker. think I fluctuate between. Yeah, he was. R.I.P. Johnny Hecker. I actually sent him a tweet, and uh, he did not respond, telling him I miss him and thanks for all the good years. Yeah, really rough. If he can't even if he can't even tweet me back, um, I really did like Johnny Hecker. I think I know the punter position is got very little value. You know, I think it should have more value than what it has. I guess in people's mindsets, but um, he was so good for so many years and did a lot of trick plays. You know, with passing. Anyways, my favorite player, I fluctuate between Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. And kind of, I would say Jalen Ramsey's close, but I would say those two, Donald and Cup. Okay. Just because Donald, he was he's homegrown. We drafted him, Cup, the same way we, we drafted him. Okay. And seeing the progression of both those guys, I mean, Cup, no one saw that coming. No. no one's, so an interesting stat, he's he scored a touchdown in eight consecutive games. He's so he is to this last game. He's just And you know what's what's crazy too is he's been held under ninety two yards twice in like twenty five games. That's, he doesn't have and bad games, against, bro, and he doesn't drop passes. They both have been against Yeah, they both have been against Arizona. So this matchup Sunday is really interesting. That is really if they can I hold them under ninety two. I wonder why that is. They had Patrick Peterson. Yeah, because I mean, Patrick Peterson hasn't been relevant yeah, for well, a while. And he's in Minnesota or something. Mur- yeah, Muf- Murphy and then Buda Baker yeah. and then yeah, Patrick. Well, Patrick Peterson's gone. Yeah. Well, that's, that's I don't interesting know. because I don't. I actually consider the Cardinals to be a bad defense, but didn't they shut down Devontae Adams this week? He had like less than thirty yards for the Raiders. Yeah, he didn't have a good. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. But they've got like, I think the one of the worst third down uh, defenses, and they're like ranked worst. De- I think overall worst defense or something. What, through what's your opinion on Kyler? Because it's very controversial amongst my friends. Like, I am higher on Kyler than most people, and I want to know. Yeah. Is he top ten? Is he top five? Is he? What do you think about him? Yeah, I would say, is it his third year? No, fourth or fifth? Probably fourth. Is it fourth or fifth? I think it's got to be fourth. Okay. I think last year he had a really good season up until like the last several yeah, like he, couple games. Yeah, he got hurt. He messed up his hamstring. Kind of got hurt, and then he just was kind of sketchy. And then obviously in the playoffs, that was I think that was the worst performance I've seen. Dude, that game was – Maybe of all time yeah. out of a quarterback. You could. He was just mentally out of it, and I think he threw for like a hundred yards or something yeah. like that, like two picks. Like it was, it was really. I want to say that just, he like didn't have a first down in like the first quarter or maybe the first half. Yeah, it was. That was a rough game. So, but I would say most of that season, I was like, dude, this guy's actually really elite. He he's got a really good arm, but he's also he can run really well, and he's scoring like. And I, I'm I'm looking at it as a fantasy from a fantasy perspective. That's where I look at most of the stuff. So he just does it all, and he's got a great arm. 
you know, even for being undersized. And the team is pretty good, pretty solid. But then they kind of dropped off the map in the second half. This year, he's been kind of rough. Um, you know, if they don't end up winning that Las Vegas game, he kind of ha- he's had two mediocre games, and yeah. they're o- they should be they really should be zero and two. So, I think he's got a lot of talent. It's just I don't know if it's mental. It's just he can't get over this hump, and he's maybe not he's not producing what I think he should be producing. At least I'll say that. All right, can I? But top five, top ten, I would he's say not top five. Top ten. Okay. Top ten. Can I give you can I name Definitely. three quarterbacks and I want you to tell me who you'd rather have be your quarterback this year? Kyler versus these three guys. Because I'm a big Kyler guy. Like when he tries, I think he's the Okay, so four guys. So four guys I gotta No no, no. it's gonna be one one v one. Kyler versus okay. Okay. First one. Okay. One year. This year. Russell Wilson. Kyler. Lamar Jackson. Lamar. I really like I th- Lamar Jackson. I think he's really good too. Like weirdly underrated. Very underrated. Just in, what I love though about him is that he's so consistent. He's no drama. He's no nonsense. He just goes out and plays. Mm-hmm. He's his own agent. I love. I just found that out. I didn't even That's know that. Like okay. Contract negotiations. I know he bet on yeah. himself. And he's you? just. Yeah, where most guys, they kind of just you know if they're in contract negotiations, you just see them either quit. And kind of hold out, but this dude is just not even talking. He's going out there. He's absolutely balling out. I think he's the real deal, and I think he's really good. I would love to have him as my quarterback. I'll say that. Yeah, I think I think Very Lamar's. Good. He's probably like fifth in my ranking, which is high. Yeah, that's very high. And so, yeah, Lamar over Kyler any day of the week. I mean, what's your prediction for the Rams? I know you did your, your you went game by game, but are you still stick? What did you say, like eleven and six or twelve and five? Like, have they? Twelve and five, and I knew I I know that that's probably too much. Yeah, okay. I think I think more realistic is eleven and six, or even ten and 10 seven. And seven. Yeah, I think because there's several games in there. I mean, starting out losing against the Bills like we did, I think that's never a good way to start out. I I don't know. I, I I'm still I still think we can go twelve and five, okay. um, and just flip that game with, with the Bills against. I guess maybe we'll see. I need to look at the score, but I'm still thinking twelve and five, for sure. Sweet, for sure. Well, that does it. Jarris, thank you so much, dude, for coming on to this show. I'd love, it is always so good to talk with you, hear from you, um, to see you, and just love your analytical mindset, your objective view of just sports in general. And you, you add a ton. So, dude, you definitely need to come back on the show. Would love to have you. Well, stay tuned. Next week, we'll recap the 49ers game. And we ain't playing Trey Lance. We're playing Jimmy G. And to be honest with you, I'd rather play Trey Lance. But we'll see. Hopefully we're recapping a win. And until then, Rams up and Rams out.